Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good, I'm good, thanks. Very, very good. And considering. well, <laughs> considering you're an absolute superstar of the 70s, and welcome all to my 70s, I am joined today by one of my heroes of the 70s, Mr. Andrew mm. Mullen Gray. And I say that with a bit of trepidation because Go on. I got brought up a Birmingham City supporter. <laughs> And Did I was really? extremely jealous when you come down from Dundee. But before you arrived from Dundee United, let's talk about how you got involved in the game of football, your earliest memories. And when you went into Dundee United as a 16-year-old kid, you got pitched against the older boys, you got turned away, and then you come back in another guise. That is true, yeah. I mean, uh, I, in those days, I got spotted the way many did. The scouts saw me mm. playing Saturday football or Sunday football, whatever it was you played sometimes both more often than not you played twice maybe on a Saturday I used to play schoolboy football in the morning on a Saturday morning then I played for another team Saturday afternoon and then I'd probably play for the boys brigade on a Sunday so you were playing like three games of a weekend so if you were any good you were and you were lucky you got spotted and that's what happened to me but yeah my first trip to Dundee when I was what age was I probably yeah just yeah I was a bit just turned 17 I just shy of my 17th birthday and I went up and they just kind of put me on, just get your boots on, out you go on the pitch against the first team. And I was already nervous enough, um, thinking I was going to be playing against boys my own age. But when they stuck me against the first team, I was uh, completely hopeless. Never had a kick. And Jim McLean, in the nicest way he could, said, thank you, but no thank you. Um, we'll give you a call, which I knew meant we'll not give you a call. But fortunately, the scout, um, Morris Friel, mate of mine, he persisted. And he was confident that I had what it takes and persuaded Jim to have another look against boys my own age. And I did. Went back up, took my brother with me for a bit of moral support this time. So felt better and went out and played well, scored a couple of goals. And then this time, Jim was persuaded that he'd seen enough to, to suggest that I might be OK. Now, it wasn't the fact that you might just be OK. <laughs> you absolutely hit the ground running at Dundee United as a teenager, mm. scored an amazing amount of goals. Now, one of mm. the few teenagers that I think that could probably be up there with you in the scoring charts is obviously Jimmy Greaves, who was different class mm. and the greatest goal scorer of all time. But uh, another guy that um, was a Midland boy, uh, Sniffer Clark, scored an amazing mm. amount of goals at Warsaw and went to Leicester City. You scored mm. an amazing amount of goals at Dundee United and come to the Midlands to join arguably the biggest club in the Midlands, Aston Villa. Well, it's not arguable. It's definite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a blue nose, Andy. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, what what was that move like? Because you, you did play in a cup final up there in Dundee United. You yeah. did score more or less 
what was it, 40 plus goals in 60 games? So it was an incredible amount of goals. But coming to a big club like Villa, what was that move like and how did that move come about? Uh, Well, it was a strange one. I mean, the beginning of that season, um, in the pre-season, Jim McLean had come to me and had two seasons there, as you say. Mm-hmm. Two seasons I couldn't have got, apart from getting the cartilage operation, which knocked me out for about six weeks. Um, I, I, I pretty, pretty well, as you said, went swimmingly well for me. And I could do no wrong, and I was attracting attention. And Jim came to me, in fairness to him, and said to me at the beginning of the, my third season, um, I'm going to have to sell you, Andy. He said, for your own sake, he said, because if we keep you here, we'll hold you back, which I thought was amazing for a coach to say um so um I'll, I'll try and get you to a club that i think might suit you if a few come in and i'll try and guide you but you know you have to go and i think it was about i don't know how many games in september it was the beginning of september mid-september mid to late september and we were playing celtic on the saturday and because i was a glasgow boy if we were ever playing rangers celtic Motherwell, you know teams down near glasgow i'd go home on a friday stay with my mum yeah. and then go to the game following day. So I was obviously going home. But Jim was a bit narky with me on the Friday, um, picking on me in training for some reason on the five-a-side. And, and then at the end, he says, where are you going now? I said, well, I'm, I'm doing what I always do, boss. If that's OK, I'll go, I'm going back to stay with my mum. Jim, we'll make sure you do. I said, well, I always do. We've got Celtic tomorrow. I ain't going to do anywhere, go anywhere else. And uh, I went home with my mum's and was sitting in the cup of tea about two hours later, mid-afternoon. Phone went. Um, Jim, um, listen, we've accepted an offer from Aston Villa and I want you to go to Glasgow Airport at so-and-so and there'll be two directors from the club there who are going to fly you down to meet Villa and see what you think. And I came off the phone. I hadn't, I, I didn't ask him where Villa was and I, I must be honest, I had no idea where Aston Villa was. You know, if it was Birmingham, I know where that is. It's in Birmingham. And Liverpool were in Liverpool. You know, Manchester United were in Manchester. Newcastle United were in Newcastle. But Aston Villa... I genuinely, just for a second, I thought, I was only a kid, remember, I thought, where the hell's Aston Villa? So <laughs> I had to actually find out that it was actually in Birmingham. And uh, down I went and, you know, met Ron Saunders that night after we got there. Uh, he told me what he wanted, told me, I mean, I didn't know he hadn't seen me play ever, Ron, hadn't seen me. He took the scouts' uh, word wow. that uh, I was going to be good enough. And he, Keith Leonard had picked up a bad injury, you know, but big Keith had set the forward. Mm-hmm. And of course, Villa had just got promoted from the second division back into the big time. Um, so he was panicking that he didn't have a centre forward. So he took a punt on me, I think, would be fair to say, if Ron was still with us today, he would probably say, yeah, I took a gamble because I'd never seen Andy play. Um, so I, I agreed to sign. I couldn't sign quick enough because I knew it was the right thing to do. And then I watched, would you believe, I watched, the obviously didn't sign in time. So on the Saturday, I went to the ground and lo and behold, what was it? It was the the, the, the Birmingham Derby. Yep. Birmingham City came to town to play Aston Villa. Brian Little scored twice. We won the game. Um, I sat there in the dugout and I just was amazed at the atmosphere and the noise and the passion and it was just, I couldn't wait to get out. It was it was unreal. I mean, I played for Dundee United. If we got 15,000, yeah. we were doing well. Here I was sitting there. There must have been about 50,000 in Villa Park that day. It was just extraordinary. A brilliant atmosphere. And, of course, Villa winning made it even better. So I couldn't wait to get started. 
Yeah, Trevor scored the first goal that day. It was Chico you Hamilton did. that scored the equaliser. And I've had the good pleasure to sit next to Brian Little and uh, do a my 70s that, yeah. yeah, with Brian when he nicked it off Kenny and then stuck yeah, it in Kenny the Yeah, Kenny Brown's made a mistake, that's right. Yeah, he just slid it in, I know. Yeah. And the lane end, yeah. By the way, Budgie says best striker that I've ever played with. So, <laughs> Simon Stainrod says gifted and intelligent. TC said <laughs> send my regards to Andy. The best striker and the best-looking striker in those days. <laughs> yeah. And now I know he's lying. Keith Birchin, Birch said, I learnt a lot off Andy when he destroyed Ipswich and I realised I had to change my game. And the big man, Ron Atkinson, named you in his all-time Villa eleven and all-time West Midlands eleven. Well, not in bad. That in that that is not bad, is it? If... High praise indeed, Paul. Thank you. Thanks to all. Thank thank you to all um, the lads there. That's very very kind of them. But you've 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 joined Villa. You've you must have when you walked into that club, as you said, you've sat in that dugout. You must have almost instantly fell in love with that club. Well, I did. I yeah. did instantly fall in love. Yeah. And you know, it was the training that week was was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, getting to know the guys, um, I was just couldn't wait for the following Saturday. It's a bit of a damp squib, I have to be honest. My debut, if memory serves me well, I think it does. But we went to Middlesbrough and we drew nil nil, um, and I thought, oh, okay, then that brought me back to that put my feet back right on the ground right away. I was up against I think Willie Madrin and Stuart Bohm. Yep. They were two big uncompromising centre backs. It gave me a quick a quick introduction to what life was going to be like in the English First Division. So, but it wasn't that it scared me or frightened me in any way. It just it made me understand that I've got to be good here and I've got to be at my best. Um, because if, if these lads are playing for Middlesbrough, then the boys at the top level are going to be even better. Um, but I couldn't wait. And luckily we had a, mid, a midweek game, I think, against Manchester United in the League Cup. Pretty sure it was a League Cup. And they beat us, but I managed with about, I think, five... Six minutes to go. Um, I managed to get a consolation goal for his Chico Hamilton, just floated one in near post. I headed it past Alex Stepney. That was my first goal. Um, and I was off and running. Uh, although it was in a losing game, um, it was my first goal. So I, I was, it's always, if you're, a front, if you're a striker and you've come down, then one thing you want to do is score goals quickly. You know, just so that people don't start maybe asking a few questions and you start to get a little worried yourself. So um, that goal against a team like Manchester United settled me pretty quickly. You did make a habit of scoring against Manchester United. I remember a mm-hmm. 3-2 win against United at Villa mm-hmm. Park. And yeah. I remember a brace at uh, Ellen Road when Alex Cropley scored the third yes, goal. Correct. You were yeah. magnificent in the air. You were bloody good with that left foot and you were decent with the right foot as well. You had everything that a central striker needed and also you had bravery beyond limits. Well, thank you. I mean, that doesn't sound like me. I mean, listen, I I, I knew my my capabilities. I knew my limitations. Yeah, I could head the ball. I was always... I I wasn't big. I wasn't tall. I was about 5'10 and a half, 5'11 max. Um, so, uh, but what I could do was spring really well. And I, I had good timing. Uh, Jim McLean spent hours with me, just him and I on a, on a, on paradise on the football pitch in the afternoons, and he crossed ball after ball for me uh, for for the best part of two years. 
um, and got me coming and meeting at, at its highest point. Yeah. So that I was timing my runs and, and, and jumping, and and that helped me enormously. So I could do that. Yeah, the decent left foot, the right was okay. The right was okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, brave. I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's, it's it is nice when people call it brave, but I just wanted to win a football match. Yeah. So the last thing I thought about was being brave. If it was there and I, I could get it with my head or whatever part of my body, and I could get it as a goal, then I was doing it. It was as simple as that. If I had to throw my body in the way or something to stop it getting in the net, I'd do that too uh, at the other end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to win and people never scared me. Uh, and even though I wasn't the biggest, I, I, I would stand up and be counted. I think most people who played against me, uh, the one thing they wouldn't have got was an easy ride. Um, certainly not in those days, um, you know, when I was at, at it, as you say. But no, and. Uh, yeah, I could do most things. I could do most things, but I had a, I had a, a huge passion for not liking losing a football match. I hated getting beat at anything. That, that was that was a, a trait of mine that the family have have, have noticed over the years. And when we play games on a Christmas day and things like that, I'm not very good when I get beaten. So uh, there was something that was instilled in me very early, and uh, I, I I just I kept it with me. I didn't like losing football matches, so I'd do anything I could to try and win one. And if that meant throwing my head in somewhere where boots were flying, then so be it. I would. I was quite prepared to do that. Your teammates at Aston Villa, you had a great bunch of players in that 1975 team. Yeah, we did. Going in 76, 77 when you won the League Cup. It was almost like my team, Birmingham City, we've had a load of phantom pregnancies. That was almost yeah. the rebirth of Aston Villa, wasn't it? When, when Villa won the League Cup, then you, well, they got they got promoted. You came down from Scotland and it really kicked Villa into action. Yeah, we did. I mean, with some good players come in and, and Saunders, Ron Saunders did a lot of good buying mm. um, and brought some players in that were, were excellent. You know, um, they made Alan Evans come down from Scotland as well. Um, Gordon Smith came in at fullback. Um, you know, Sid Cowens was coming through there. Um, you know, Dennis Mortimer he bought, Alex Cropley he bought. You know, those those two in midfield were exceptional footballers. Um, you know, Dennis was a, a good box to box footballer. And Alex Cropley had that little bit of magic. He could wait, you know, he could open a tin of sardines with that left foot of his. And and when you talk about bravery, now there's one player who left me way behind in the bravery stakes. That that boy he didn't tackle with his legs. He tackled with his whole body. Yeah. I mean, he was there was nothing on Alex. You know, he was about seven stone dripping wet. Um, but the wee man never shirked a tackle in his life, and that's probably why I picked up a couple of really bad injuries. But I loved I loved playing with Alex. He was terrific. Um, great footballer. Really good to play with. Um, and and it was it was a, a, the team built then, and you know he started to build a few things. And I think we were a little unlucky. We, we went very close. We, we had a great season in the league that year. We beat Liverpool 5-1, Villa Park one, night, one Wednesday night. And it's just a pity games like that were never covered. You know, when you think yeah. of the great nights and great games, that was that was an astonishing one. That put us top of the league that night. We went top when we beat uh, Liverpool that year, but we just kind of tailed off. Um, we had a good run in the, the FA Cup, I think, that year and won the League Cup. So, you know, the, the, the potential was there. You could see that. Um, for for something to build, and uh, although I didn't play a great part in the the league title or any part of the league title. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The European campaign, I think we helped elevate Valencia, a position of respectability. And then the, the other lads took it on and did what they did. Yeah, I think ab- absolutely. I mean, again, as a Birmingham City supporter, when we got rid of Andy Gray and Brian Little, they give us Peter with and Gary Shaw and won the league and won the <laughs> European Cup. But I, w- yeah. I will say that that those two, Andy Gray and Brian Little, in again, in my opinion, is the greatest two that I've seen in my lifetime in the West Midlands. And I think in Brian, you had the ideal partner because he was... He was a maverick on the pitch, wasn't he? He, he? he was a box of tricks on the pitch. He was a fantastic footballer that was the ideal foil for Andy Gray. Yeah, he was. I mean, I've said it many, many times and I've quoted many times that Brian was the biggest part of me being a success in my first four years at Aston Villa, my first four years in English football. And because we were so different, we had different personalities. You know, I was out there. Brian was more quiet, a quiet boy. You know, I was extrovert. He was a lot more introvert. He had amazing skill. I had no skill. Um, you know, we, he had got as much pleasure out of creating a goal for me as he did from scoring, equally as much. And and he knew we kind of knew where each other was. I knew what he was going to do when he got the ball. And he knew where I was wanting him to put it. And, and you're right, he was the perfect foil for me. And I couldn't have wished for a better player to have, to have been alongside me in those first few years than, than Brian. He was unbelievably gifted. It was a tragedy that he only ended up with his, what, I think, one, two England caps. I mean, just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I have to say, in those days, you talk about people in the West Midlands, I have to say, your, your boy Trevor Francis, was Trevor was just an amazing footballer. Mm. What a player he was. I mean, just unbelievable. So, I mean, in those days, there were a lot of really good players right there in the 70s. When I mean, you look at West Brom and the team Big Ron put together over there, I mean that was that was a great team and Robbo coming through and things like that. Great players there, Cyril, Brendan, Laurie Cunningham. You know, they were they were great times. I loved it with the fact that all the boys were in the, the first division and you were getting local derbies, you know, almost every other week. It was just a brilliant feeling. Playing Wolves, playing Leicester, playing Coventry, Birmingham, West Brom, Villa. It was just that was brilliant. It was a great place to play your football. You know, the mid to late 70s, uh, Birmingham, because it was such a competitive area, that West Midlands and and, and, uh, and the the black country area. Yeah, I had the great pleasure of um, talking to Kenny Hibbert as well on one of the previous uh, podcasts. Kenny recalls you and Kenny leaving the uh, training ground at Wolverhampton with the Mm. windows down. 
bat out of hell, blasted up on Andy Gray's car <laughs> and the police pulling you over and telling okay. you to turn the music down. But Wolverhampton Wanderers were a great team in the 70s as well. So you're right, between them, and I said this to Kenny, you could name a team that could take on any team in the world from the West Midlands in the 70s. We were that good, yeah, you good could. region. Yeah, you could. You could yeah. easy. Yeah, you could easy. Yeah, yeah. There were that many good players playing there. You're right. Wolves, again, you know, when I ended, when I ended up there at Wolves, uh, that was, a, you know, playing with Kenny and the likes of Jordan Richards and Willie Carr. These were these are players who were a bit older than me. Yep. But they were terrific professionals. I mean, great talent. I love the boys. You know, they were great lads. Um, genuine, genuine football lovers um, who, who went about the game. It was, it was great. I mean, I'd left a, a youngish team and ended up going at quite an experienced team um, at Wolves. You know, Emlyn Hughes in it as well, and just um, Derek Parkin, Jeff Palmer, Kenny Hibbert, Willie Carr, people like that, John Richards. These were all guys who were in their, their late late 20s to early 30s. So, and Emlyn, of course, Emlyn Hughes, um, the late, great Emlyn Hughes. Yeah, it was, it was a, they were interesting times, but good times. Is it fair to say Emlyn is the only person that got worse knees than you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mine, mine's not knees. Mine isn't plural. I mean, Emlyn's was plural. I mean, his, his yeah. knees were shot to bits. Yeah. I mean, how he got through a football match, I'll never know. It was testimony to his bravery yep. uh, and, and his desire to stay playing football as long as he could. Mm. Um, my right knee was a bad one. I had no problems with my left mm. at all. So I was lucky in that respect, being left-footed. Um, I had no problems with that one, but the right the right leg was always the one that got battered because you were sort of protect. That was the one you were standing on all the time. Yeah. Um. So that took a bashing. But Emlyn's were. When I say short, I mean short. I mean we were all amazed at times when, like an hour before kickoff, and he was getting changed. You look at his knees. Next minute, he'd, he'd get the fluid drained off him so he could just mm-hmm. go and play. It was just he was he was an amazing character, Emlyn. And to think that the only trophy he never won it. Liverpool, the League Cup, he ended up winning with us at Wolves. Just that's the that's the football god saying to Emlyn, you, you know, you've done so well at Liverpool. We, we just need to finish you off and uh, give you your last trophy before you retire. And uh, they did. They, they they allowed us to beat. They allowed us to beat a formidable Notts Forest side somehow. Peter, formidable Notts Forest, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Sorry, they'll never forgive me for calling them that. Nottingham Forest, a formidable team um, with a formidable management duo. Um, we somehow got get, got past them and gave Emlyn the chance. Well, gave him the one trophy that he hadn't had. So it was nice. It was a nice year that, for that. But back to your time at Aston Villa. Going great. You mm-hmm. got to fourth place in the league. You got into yeah. Europe. Everything yeah. was absolutely spot on at Villa. You were looking to kick it on. And then you got an injury and you were on the treatment table on Sunday. And Ron Saunders turned up, didn't he? That seemed to be the downfall then at Villa and certainly for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean it was it was the season we were back in Europe and... Um... We had played uh, Barcelona through to two great result. Second leg was coming up, so uh, that weekend I was getting treatment on my injury, but I, I was very confident I'd be fit for the Wednesday. Never wasn't given not playing or not travelling a second thought. Uh, and on Sunday, uh, Ron Saunders turns up at the training ground, which he never did on a Sunday. 
if you were injured, he didn't take any interest in you. You know, if he, if he couldn't pick you, he wasn't he wasn't interested. Um, but he came and see me and the physio, and he said to me, "How are you?" I said, "Good, good, boss. I think I'll be okay." No, no, no. I need to know today before we fly uh, whether you're going to be fit or not. I said, "Well." What do you mean? I think I'll be fit. He said, no, no. If the game was today, could you play? I said, well, of course I could. He said, well, I'm not taking you. I said, what? And I remember, I was probably his best player. And and we were going to play in the new camp. He said, I'm not taking you then. If you if you can't tell me you're fit today, I'm not taking you. I said, we've got three days here. He said, no. So he didn't take me. And we went very close. Um, but maybe if I had played, I might have made the difference. And and he denied me the opportunity of playing in the new camp as well, which was uh, you know a pretty special thing for a footballer to do play in that stadium. So he denied me that. But anyway, to cut a long story short, I, and this was the next season, the beginning of the next season, I heard the story that on the way back from that game, he was chatting to you know you, the press guys always used to fly with the players and the staff and all that. There was never a separate plane in those days. So he was talking to the press, and one of the press was a Palamine. And he didn't tell me initially when he got back. He, he waited till the season had finished. And, and then what during the summer he had said to me, you know, I, I never told you this, Andy, but remember that Barcelona thing? I said, yeah. He said, well, after that game on the plane, yeah, there was all together. And we were all asking him what happened to Andy. Why was he not here? Why didn't he travel? And he says, don't talk to me about Andy. He said, Andy's not only let me down, he's let the club down, he's let this, these players down, and he's let the fans down. <laughs> and I went, what? I said, he's talking about me, who's had injections in every part of my body so I could go and play for Villa because Saunders wanted me to. Uh, I mean, ridiculous. I, I, I did it for an instance. I had a training session before a Port Vale game. We are playing Port Vale in the FA Cup. We could have beat Port Vale without me. But Saunders said, you need to play if you can, Andy, because if you don't play and they see you're not the team sheet, it's going to give Port Vale a lift. And I went, well, I'll try it. So I went out and, and tried it. I, I, I shouldn't play. My ankle was n- not in a good way. They strapped it up so tight that I couldn't move it. Yeah. I couldn't flex my ankle. It was just at this, they strapped it up rigid. I went out. We were winning 3 0 at half time. I, I think I'd scored. And I came off and I said, I can't play anymore. But you're going to have to take me off. My ankle's gone. And I missed another six weeks because of it. So yeah. that's the kind of things I did for Saunders. Mm-hmm. And he was calling me a cheat. So I went in to see him and I said, I know what you did on the plane after the Barcelona game. I know what you said about me. I said, and I can't believe it. I said, I'm absolutely disgusted. I said, in fact, I don't want to play for you anymore. I said, so if you please tell uh, uh, the directors and the club I went away. And and that was that. And our relationship broke down. Uh, and and that, that was basically it. And then about a couple of months later, uh, Wolves sold Steve Daly, gave him the opportunity to buy me. I mean, I think Villa, to be fair to Villa, they tried to price me out of the market so no one could afford to buy me. But the money that Wolves got for Steve Daly meant they only had to add about another 75 grand to it. And it meant they could buy me or try to buy me. And I just wanted away. It was as simple as that. It's incredible, isn't it, really, though? Because, I mean, why you needed to have that answer on the Sunday when, when you were playing no in midweek? It, it was just absolutely ridiculous to the extreme. But Saunders did have that in him that, you know, it, it was... It was strange to say the least, wasn't he? I mean, I remember Brian telling me, Brian would go into his uh, into his office and he'd sit there and he'd say, do you know what, I want to punch you. And Brian would say, if it makes you feel better, Gaffer, do it. And he, he was just <laughs> like that at times, wasn't he, Ron Saunders? Oh, he was. I mean, to be fair to Ron, he taught me a lot. He was an yeah. old-fashioned centre-forward yeah, himself. Yeah. And when I came to Villa, I, I moved up, uh, I, you know, 
I moved up a notch or two when I left Scottish football to come and play in the English First Division. And he is an old-fashioned centre-forward. You know, he taught me a lot. Um, I, I would have to say that, but Ron. But he hated my fame, if you like. Yes. He hated me getting all the headlines. Mm-hmm. He was very much, why do you want to talk to Andy all the time? We've got other players in the team who are contributing. Well, because Andy's scoring all the goals, really. That's why we want to talk to Andy. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't like that. And, uh, you know, a couple of things. He stopped me going down to get my, my PFA awards, um, which, you know, I've never forgiven him for either. And he stopped me going to play for Scotland in Brazil, where we were playing in the Maracanã Stadium. Um, again, you know, three massive things in my life, my footballing life. Um, and he he denied me because uh, because he didn't want me sort of going. He didn't want me for whatever reason, for whatever reason. So there's a couple of things I didn't forgive Ron for, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, those those were, those were big to deny me the chance of playing at the new camp. When we might have won the game, was was uh, I mean it's just it's it's just not not understandable. I've no idea why. It's ridiculous um, and, and absurd and 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 also as well as you've alluded to there, the young player and the senior player of the year in 1977. Mm. I remember that mm. as a kid. That that was that was the first. That was unique. It, it it was incredible really that you couldn't go up and and pick up your awards because there's only been Ronaldo and Gareth Bale that's done what you've done since. Yeah, think about that. Since 1977, yeah. there's only been two other players. Yeah, two other players. So I'm in good company. Oh. But he he denied me because we had a and there's a it's a strange thing. We had the semi we had the replay of the FA Cup on the Wednesday or League Cup on the Wednesday against Everton. And he wanted me to play, so I was getting treatment, and they wouldn't let me go down. And they, they'd said, "Now listen, we'll, we'll drive, we'll come and pick him up, we'll send a chauffeur-driven car, we'll drive him to the event in London, we'll get him out five, ten minutes before the award, we'll present him with a award, he can do his speech, we'll put him back in the car and have him back in bed in Birmingham by midnight on Sunday night. The game wasn't until Wednesday. He said no. He said no. So, <laughs> so thanks, Ron. So, I know you uh, Work, work that one out, kids, if you can. Heroes yeah. growing up, uh, I know Dennis Law was, was a big hero of yours, but also mm. Colin Steen and um, Slim Jim. Yeah, I mean, all great players. I mean, it was, uh, you know, Rangers was my team, obviously. Yeah. And, um, you know, with some fabulous players there. I mean, um, great, great teams coming up there. So, and Slim Slim Jim Baxter was, was as good as anyone you, you'd see. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking back to 1967 when, it, when it, Scotland beat England at Wembley after the World Cup win in '66, and and Jim Baxter's performance that day uh, and the three-two win was just it was just mind-boggling what he was doing with the football and the way he was strutting about it was it was unbelievable. And of course, Dennis played that day, and because I wanted to be a centre forward, Dennis was the man playing for Manchester United, the blonde hair, the great ability to head a ball. Um, not the biggest like me, so he was a natural sort of hero, if you like. Yeah, very much so. Colin Steen, when I arrived from Hibs uh, to Rangers, had an amazing start to his career there. He wasn't at Rangers a long time, but he started off in his first three games with about I think two hat tricks and two. He got about eight goals or something in his first three games, which was a, just ridiculous. Um, I know he ended up coming down to Coventry yeah, did, yeah. after that, but mm-hmm. he, had a, he, had, he, was, he was a decent player, Colin, really decent player. To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com 
forward slash SRB media or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.